Well, hello. Welcome back to Shopology for 2021. After a very crazy year, I'm sure we all experienced, we took a bit of a break, but we are back. We are ready for fascinating and big things this year on the show. We're going to be bringing you insights and interviews for retail and consumer marketing as we always do. Uh, I'm Jason Pallant. I am the co-host of Shopology. I have the pleasure of hosting this with uh, Louise Grimmer from the University of Tasmania. Louise, how are you? Welcome back for 2021. Hi, Jason. I am fantastic. And I'm really excited to be back with the show this year. We, You were right. We had a, a little bit of a break. I spent quite a bit of time shopping. Shopping <laughs> local, I hope, there. Louise. Shopping local, shopping local and, and going and seeing all of the fantastic stores where I live down here in Tasmania, in, in the capital Hobart, and just seeing some of the changes that we're going to talk about, I think, on today's episode. Uh, but it was really good to have a break. But you're right. We're refreshed. We're back for 2021. What sort of things does this year hold for Shopology? Well, I think we were just discussing this beforehand. And, and I think something we found last year is that, you know, we obviously had a lot of great guests and, and you had a lot of great guests even before I joined as the co-host. So I think, you know, keeping up those regular interviews and the really hearing from people in the industry is going to be great. I think we're going to try and do those on a very regular basis, you know, sort of throughout the month, whenever something topical comes up. Uh, and then we'll do monthly feature episodes where we sort of dive into some of those topics. We experimented with the different segments and we around Dr. J's deep dives and Lou loves local. Um, so I think we'll experiment with some of those uh, going forward, but really excited, I think, for bringing those insights and trying to dive deep uh, as we as we like to do. I'm really excited about it, Louise. Yeah, I think keeping uh, our idea to keep some of those interviews as sort of discrete episodes, I think is going to be really exciting this year. And, you know, one of the wonders of us being on Twitter, Jason, is that we've been able to connect with international retail experts, perhaps a little bit more easily than we do in our day jobs. And I know you've got um, some really exciting interviews lined up with international retail analysts, um, and I'm really looking forward to those. Me too. Let's not spoil who they are yet. We'll do big reveals no, as they big come. Surprise. But but big names, big names in the retail big, industry. Where we're lining them up, bringing them to you here uh, on on Shopology. So for this episode, I think you know start of the year, our first one back, and it's sort of that time, isn't it, where people start making their predictions. <laughs> you know, they look back at the year that was and look at the year ahead and we thought we need to jump on that bandwagon don't we we need to be making some mm. predictions absolutely uh, everyone's making predictions maybe we've left it too late i don't know it's the what is it today early it's early february yeah. um i think it's a perfect time because we we've got a little bit of information that's come in already that's shown us what happened during 2020 and um you know one of the big things that that you and i get excited about and and other organizations like the uh, nra and the ara get excited about is what the shopping figures are going to be for Christmas every year because it's such an important time. Um, what have you got for us, Jason? Yeah, so we're still waiting on the exact figures for Christmas. The preliminary ABS results were released. And I think, look, it was didn't, uh, no real surprises because it was what was predicted, but online, you know, mm. online shopping really came to the fore. Um, mm. Even in that pre Christmas period with November, we saw those giant sales. Uh, you know, your Black Fridays, your Click Frenzies, and 
that continued through to, through to Christmas. Christmas uh, online shopping's at you know all time highs, and I heard it actually described as you know we've had two to three years of growth in in online in you know two to three months because I was just what... about to say that I just reached over for my my piece of paper and I was about to say that too and you know uh, you interviewed Jonathan Reeve on the show um, last year and he was predicting that online was going to reach 50 percent by 2030 and do you remember we sort of we didn't burst out laughing but we smiled at that didn't we and then you know he may well be right yeah 50 percent's a big number Right, that's yeah. that's that's a lot, and particularly because at that point we were sitting at under ten, you know. That's right. But but looking at the latest figures, you know, online is creeping up to twenty percent of non-food retail, particularly around that Christmas period. That's mm. that's that's massive. Know, that's that's substantial growth. Mm. Um, and I think that the really interesting thing about that, and and you know, we do talk about this, is is not just the. the the um, percentage growth, but the short period of time in which that happened, the way that COVID-19 forced a lot of consumers to shop online, many people for the first time, right? Absolutely. And why I think this is so fascinating, right, is is uh, some of the academic work that you and I engage with has, has told us there's this idea that when consumers are developing a shopping behaviour, they move through these ideas of trial and post-trial uh, sort of stages, if you will. And in that trial phase, you're, you know, trying different things. You're not really locked into any particular way of shopping and you're heavily influenced by external factors, mm. right? And so think about what happened during the pandemic and store closures, and we were forced to trial online for the very mm. first time. That's typical trial stage, right? Yes. Now, for many consumers, they will have found that that was a pretty good experience, right? They got what they wanted. They didn't have to line up, you know. So a lot of consumers, I would I would argue, will have moved from it being a short-term trial to their actual new you know, way of shopping for certain products or certain categories. And that's got big implications for the sector moving forward. I totally agree. And I, and I think the other sort of extension of that discussion is that even local stores, so small local stores, and I know we're going to talk about this as a trend in a moment, but those stores were forced to either create online stores if they didn't already have one. And we know from our research that, you know, almost a third of small local stores didn't have a really great online presence prior to COVID-19. They were forced to set up these stores or to improve them. And a lot of consumers were shopping locally online as well as, you know, shopping with the big online retailers as well. And I think what we're seeing, at least anecdotally at this stage, is that a lot of consumers are still supporting local stores either by going into the physical store or by having that enjoyable online experience with a smaller local store as well. And I think a lot of them have really picked up their game in terms of their email marketing, their social media marketing, and really getting the word out about the fact that they were still open. They wanted consumers to support them and all of the things that they were doing. So it has completely changed how we think about online retailing, but also online retailing with smaller independent stores that traditionally haven't really been in this space. It's a really great point, Louise, and I think is one of the potential silver linings that has, that has come out is that it's it um, you know under you know negative circumstances, but it has encouraged, let's say, a lot of our domestic and particularly smaller retailers to up their game. You know, mm. in terms of that online, what we do, what we call the omni-channel 
um, idea. And, and so hopefully that continues. But what I think interesting, you mentioned there as well, physical stores. And I think even with this growth of online retail, you know, something I've been saying for a while and I'm going to keep saying is that physical retail and stores are not dead. This is not saying that stores are not going to exist in the future of retail. I'm, I'm adamant about that. Mm. And because, you know, we've spoken about it on the show before, but but we are social creatures. We enjoy, you know, mm. interacting with people. Mm. We enjoy active, interacting with products and experiences. Um, and so that's that's my view that, that, you know, online is growing, but stores are still such a crucial part of that retail mix. I totally agree. And um, not only about the social aspect, but also there are many products which will never do well selling online. You know, you think about this huge explosion in indoor plants. Um, I, I was out on the weekend shopping locally and so many stores now are stocking indoor plants, stores that might not have been stocking indoor plants and pots and those sorts of things prior to, to COVID-19. But there are lots of products that people want to touch and feel. They want to try them on. They want to look at the quality. They want to compare and contrast. And you're right, physical retail is not dead. It's it's not going to die. It's just going to change. And perhaps the number of stores and the size of stores is going to change. And that's going to have come about because of COVID-19. But a lot of the changes that we're seeing, they were happening anyway. They were happening before COVID-19 hit. And all that's really done is accelerate a lot of the changes that were already starting to take place in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I had the uh, the privilege to recently be a judge on the Inside Retail Retailer Awards for this year. And one of the categories I was allocated was Best In-Store Experience or Initiative. Oh, fantastic. And, and i got to tell you, Louise, there was one, there was more applications than, than I had expected, which um, is a great thing for the industry because it means mm. that there's a lot of retailers doing a lot of interesting things that, you know, they think is is uh, worth nominating for, for mm-hmm. an award. And I was blown away, to be honest with you, of how innovative and, and experiential so many of these stores were becoming. That was mm. a real theme that it was that realisation that stores are not just about stocking as many products as you can in them. We, we don't need that necessarily anymore. That's not the role of the store. No, that's what we tend to see in online retailing perhaps. You know, you're, you're stocking a lot of products. It's not about that that passion that a lot of people have, that they want to own this space and share a space with their customers um, and, and have that passion for whatever it is that they're selling. I can't wait to um, – when are the winners being announced? I can't wait to hear who's yeah, so winning we've, what. We've got to wait another month, uh, so they'll be early March. But we do we do have the finalists. And, and the, the theme through all of those finalists, particularly in that category, was, was all about the store was designed to immerse the customers in that brand, that mm. retailer, that retailer's products. You know, mm. there was – it's it's about um, – live experiences, you know, workshops or trialing products or something in there that you can't replicate in the online space. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to give an example and I, I have no knowledge of, of the uh, of who's entered. I, I don't have anything to do with the awards, but I, I just want to point out my experience of going to Mecca, for example. So the beautiful thing about going to Mecca is that when you go in there, you can grab someone who's a specialist They can look at you, they can see how old you are, what your skin's like, what you wear, and they will take you around 
and they will give you their best recommendations for all of the different products in the store. And it's just an amazing, amazing experience. And it's something I think that Mecca does really well. They've opened up a a new flagship store in Sydney, I believe. I think they had a a, a virtual launch um, towards the end of 2020. And um, they, I think, are, are really great at this kind of retailing. There are lots of other retailers as well, but you know, think about that really great in-store experience. I'm so glad that that was a category in the awards this year. Yeah, fascinating. I'm, I'm, I am, as you said, I'm really looking forward to seeing the, you know, the winners and and celebrating the exceptional retailers that we have uh, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you mentioned, you know, flagships and CBD stores there, because I think one of the other themes that that we thought was worthy of discussing and, and, and tracking for this year is that CBDs versus suburbs mm. as the places for, for retail. Now, I know you've written and done some analysis on this that we've briefly spoken about before, but you know, what do you see happening here in terms of CBD locations versus suburbs for 2021 and beyond? Mm, you're right. This is like a sort of hot topic um, of conversation in the sort of mainstream media, and there've been quite a few articles I think published in the conversation uh, uh, conversation websites around the world, not just here in Australia. I think it's going to depend on which CBD we're talking about, because as we know, the the COVID experience has been very different across Australia, uh, where I am in Tasmania, and arguably in Western Australia up until you know just recently life really has been fairly normal for for most of us. Um, We're certainly seeing um, here in um, Hobart where I am, a lot more people are working from home as is happening around the country. But I think that's just a caveat that I want to make that it's going to be different depending on on which CBDs we're talking about. But there's no doubt that this has really um, opened up the way that people can work, flexibility. It might be that you're not working from home every day of the week. Uh, You might be doing a couple of days at home, a couple of days in the office. That has a huge impact on CBD retailing, doesn't it? And if we include things like hospitality when we talk about retailing as well, You haven't got that steady stream of commuters coming into um, the central business district, spending money at lunchtime, buying coffees, paying for parking, doing their dry cleaning, you you know, shopping, all of those things that we do. So I think there's been a lot of talk about what the future of cities is and that it can't really rely on retailers being the sole, um, I guess, the sole sort of player as it has been uh, previously. We've seen a lot of people now um, rediscovering their local local stores and um, even bigger suburban shopping centres, dare I say. So the shops that are closer to where people are living have really um, become much more uh, busy than they were pre-COVID because we're not going into the city so much. So I think there's going to be uh, a lot of reckoning around uh, the size of stores, the number of stores, particularly for those national chains. They've realised perhaps they don't need to have such a large fleet of stores There's huge discussion going on in the UK at the moment about the future of department stores and retail groups, and we're seeing um, some of the players who might be in the market for buying up some of those retail brands that are really in trouble saying we want the brand but we don't want the physical stores. Mm. Now, to me, that's very concerning for um, for retail in the UK. I don't know that we're at that stage here, but I think we are going to see um, local councils, governments, consumers, business groups really um, have to look at what we're going to do with our 
city areas because the workers are not going to come back the way that they were pre-COVID. I don't think ever. I think we've now gotten into this way of working and it's changed the way we do everything really, hasn't it? It really has. And I think you made an interesting point there about it it needing to be really a, a combined effort. You know, it's it's not just about retailers pulling out of stores because mm. then you've got empty spaces in really mm. prime retail locations. What do you do with them? You know, That's I right. Think this really points an opportunity to us about, you know, that uh, need for retailers and landlords, local councils, governments to really work together to think about what is the experience that we can offer people, whether they're workers, whether they're tourists, whether they're people mm-hmm. that live in those local areas, you know, what services, what amenities, what retail offers are in this area and really think about, you know, compelling uh, offers for uh, all of those different kind of areas. And I think the thing that excites me is the potential for some of our suburbs to really become uh, more engaging, really interesting areas and it not just being about relying on CBDs or major shopping centres as the place that you have to be, you know. It's the um, the revitalization of those suburban areas I think excites me and I think it leads to really nicely into our third topic, which you mentioned there as well, is that if people are spending more time in their in their local suburb and there's compelling interesting offers and they're working from home that that's a real opportunity there to support local retailers local domestic brands small to medium enterprises and and that just has so many benefits long term to you know the local economies the national economy australia as a whole and and then all of us uh, as citizens this is a topic you're very passionate about Mm. what do you see as the opportunities for 2021 for shopping local yeah, for shopping local. Look, I, you know, this is such a big topic. I could talk for ages, but I won't. Um, but I guess, you know, just one of the interesting or the thing that interests me is when we went into lockdown in different parts around the country, one of the things that we were allowed to do was go for a walk uh, for a certain amount of time or, you know, maybe unlimited where I was. So many people were walking a lot more than perhaps they were previously um, just to get out of the house and get some exercise. And I think a lot of people actually discovered or realised just what was in their local area. And at the same time, I think there was a groundswell of um, communication and support on social media for a lot of these smaller local stores that we really didn't know what was going to happen, did we? If we think back, you know, to that sort of March, April time, you know, we were predicting that this was going to be just a horror year for retail And so I think people were very keen to make sure that smaller local stores didn't die out. And and so we saw this rise in support for small stores for a number of reasons. One, they were close by. Two, perhaps we we didn't want to lose those stores. We wanted to support them. Three, a lot of them really upped their game and sometimes changed the offering of what they were selling. Um... A lot of them did started doing click and collect. Um, I know local retailers that did contactless home delivery for people when we were in really hard lockdown. And consumers don't forget those sort of things. They don't forget those really great experiences. And I think there was also a lot of commentary around the time about how important it was, and it always is, but, you know, where we spend our dollar 
really does have an impact. And you might not be spending a lot of money at a local store, but if you're spending it there rather than at one of the national or international chains, you know, that's really helping that local business keep the money in the in the local economy and supporting a local business. So I've heard anecdotally from, you know, quite a few retailers here in Hobart where I am that 2020 was their best year ever. Now, I would never have said that at the start of 2020 when, when all of this was kicking off. But I think a lot of those retailers have said it has come from many factors, one being supported by locals, but also them being agile and pivoting and being innovative and working out what they could do to try and meet the the needs and, and the demands of their local customers. And it forced a lot of them to change what they were stocking, to change the way they were selling, to get selling online. Um, and so I think now consumers are expecting, you know, as we've talked about a lot, that you will offer an in-store experience, but you'll also offer a really, really great and convenient online experience as well. So I hope it's going to continue. What One thing that concerns me, and I'm, I'm sure it does you as well, is when uh, in, Australia, in Australia where we are, when the JobKeeper subsidy is um, stopped in March, um, I do have concerns about that. And I know there's been a lot of commentary in the media lately about the impact of not extending that to the tourism industry, for example. Um, there's been quite a lot of um, media reporting about that. Um, and I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with retail. But there's no doubt that that government stimulus and government support has certainly been part of the story of this rise of of local shopping. Yeah, it has. And it's, it's such a massive thing. And I think we can often, you know, we often see when in the news, you know, um, a, a big company cuts some stores and, and there's big job losses. And obviously those have quite big impacts. So I think we often gravitate our attention to the bigger companies. But, um, you know, I was researching this recently for uh, a media piece we're hoping to uh, come out this week. And like, it's something like 99% of businesses mm. in Australia are, are small. That's right. You know, less than 20 employees. Right. And yeah. they, they contribute something like over half of the national, you know, economy and GDP. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about it in those terms, it's like, well, the logic actually then suggests we should be really focused on small business because mm. that is the majority of, mm. of businesses, you know. And I think you made a really interesting point there is like if you could walk into a small family or independently owned business and you spend money with them, 100% of that money is going to, Mm. you know, an Australian source, right? It mm. stays and probably even stays in that local community because they, and often mm. they then walk down to the local butcher and spend it there and it, mm. you know, it, it keeps it there. Whereas, you know, shopping online with Amazon and getting things delivered, it's, it's just, it's, it's going it's, offshore, you know? That's so, right. And a lot of those, um, a lot of the local stores too, I think have started, um, well, not started, but some of them have started, but, you know, they shop, they stock, local products. They stock locally produced products. So you're not only supporting the person who owns the store. So I'm thinking of uh, Katinka from Lillian Dot. Okay. The majority of the stock that she sells is made by local artisans and craftspeople. So when you're buying that product, you're supporting her and then you're supporting them as well. So it's just a, a, a the circle of life. Um, and, and it's just a, it's a, it's a great thing to do if you can do it. Um, and I think, I, I hope that it, it does continue on um, into 2021 and beyond. And I'm sure it will because I think this, you know, 2020 was this sort of year of 
realisation about the important role of retailing, how vital it is for our everyday lives. You know, I don't know about you, Jason, but sometimes when I say I'm a retail academic, some people sort of snigger or scoff and they don't realise until I say to them, well, you know, everything you're wearing, uh, if you drove a car here, whatever stationery you're using, all of that is through a retail chain. You know, our Mm -hmm. whole lives are bound up in retailing. And I think particularly during lockdowns and things, consumers really recognise the importance of retailing in our society. And um, and you're you're so right about small stores. We we concentrate on the big ones. They're the ones that make the news. Uh, they're the ones that get all the commentary. And, and a lot of the research that academics do is around large retailers as well, perhaps technology and retailing. The interest that I have has always been in the smaller local independent stores. They're much harder to study because they're a disparate group, Um, uh, but but you're right, they're the backbone of our retail industry and, as you say, they make up about 99% of retail stores in Australia. So we support them. We love them. We do. And and what's been interesting, you know, you, you mentioned that awareness among consumers about the role that those small businesses play in communities, actually. So I'm part of a project uh, through Swinburne's called the Australian Leadership Index. And so we've been tracking for the last few years uh, the public perceptions of different sectors and different kinds of institutions in terms of the degree to which they, I guess, contribute to what we've called the greater good, right? So uh, benefiting others other than just themselves, right? So being good for society. And we track things like uh, economic benefits, social benefits, helping the environment, and and then also things like you know being transparent, being accountable, all of these kind of things that just sort of make up being you know good people, really, or good good institutions, the kind of things that that we want. And so within the private sector, what was really interesting over the last. Uh, year and, and so is that small to medium enterprises have really skyrocketed and really taken the lead in terms of a lot of those key metrics uh, that we measure. And what's really fascinating is that uh, from the public's view overall, small business do we, the same amount for the economy as medium, uh, also national or multinational businesses, but they do substantially more in terms of social benefits, in terms of helping the environment, in terms of being part of their local communities, you know, being accountable and transparent and balancing the needs of different people and just on all the metrics, small and medium enterprises, you know, lead the way in terms of private businesses. Uh, and so, I, and, and we saw those scores really, really increase steadily throughout the year. And I think, as you say, that's because, you know, we were able to engage with them. We saw what role those small businesses have in the mm-hmm. communities if they weren't there, um, you know, and we saw those people out and about in the community, as you mm-hmm. said, delivering products, helping others in need. And so, um, really it's very heartening, have, heartwarming to hear that. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, yeah, as you said, I think that's that's my hope is for that that's a real theme for this year is that we we appreciate uh, our local retailers we and we appreciate the small local retailers that are in our communities and do so much for us even if we you know don't always see them featured on the news uh, or in the major publications as much as we would like. Um, so, Louise, that's our I guess top three themes. Mm that we sort of predicted for this year. Um, I guess sort of not 
massive predictions in terms of being out there, you know, 50% will be online or any of those kind of <laughs> things. But often what I've found is when making these kind of predictions that it's better to look, you know, a bit below the surface and say, what are the, what are the real drivers of these trends? What is actually the underlying forces? And so I think mm. that idea of people working from home more really mm. fits through a lot of these themes, which is mm. online, you know, suburbs and mm. shopping locally mm. really connect to that idea of people working from home more uh, and not being in CBD areas. I think so too. And I, I think just this is the last thing I'll say um, is I think people, you know, I'm not saying that we all slowed down because for a lot of us work got even more hectic as a lot of us, you know, tried to shift online and do 50 million Zoom calls. But I do think that a lot of people have said to me, and they probably have to you as well, I have really reassessed what is important in my life. I uh, I want to do other things with my time. I want to, um, for example, make my home a, a nicer place to be. And we've seen that reflected in some of the um, sales categories in retailing, you know, things like uh, home equip- uh, home and leisure equipment, furniture, plants, um, oh, you name it, you know, electronics, all of that sort of thing. I want to make, I want to, I am going to spend more time at home. In fact, I want to spend more time at home, you know. Um, and I think people have really decided too that if they had a side hack or something that they were really interested in, well, maybe 2020 and 2021 are the years that I'm going to actually devote a bit more time to developing some of those side businesses. So we've certainly seen uh, some of those businesses emerge out of people spending more time at home. Um, And I think, yeah, it's been a year that's had its ups and downs, but I think it's certainly had some really positive benefits for a lot of people and for a lot of businesses. That's not to say that there aren't businesses that are suffering and there are people who are suffering too. But I I think um, my final sort of thing that I want to say is that we went into the year uh, 2020 thinking it was going to be real doom and gloom for retailing. And in Australia, at least, you know, it's really pleasing to be able to say that, you know, the majority, for the majority of retailers, it was actually a really interesting and successful year. So we'll see what 2021 brings. We will see. And but nice to start the year with a little bit of hope, I guess, and, and, and some some positive outlook and some potential, you know, positive opportunities that our retailers can can jump onto and and, and ride throughout this year. So that was our first episode back for 2021. Thank you for joining us and for listening, Louise. It's always a pleasure to to chat with you. We're going to be doing these sort of deep dive episodes together uh, monthly. And then throughout the month, we're going to be jumping on for little bonus uh, things when things pop up or interviews with different interesting people so that we can spread out some of our engagement um, throughout the month, which I'm I'm really excited about. So if you are listening, we, we'd really appreciate, you know, subscribe to the show, rate us, review us. Um, we're going to be hopefully uh, putting out more episodes than we have in the past because we'll be having all of that extra content. Um, so follow us also on Twitter at Shopology Show. You can also find me uh, at J.I. Pallant. And Louise, you're across all of the socials. Where can everybody find you? Oh, that's right. Um, Twitter is at Louise Grimmer. Um, And I think both of us are on LinkedIn, so you can search for us on LinkedIn as well. Um, But I'm really excited about our new approach to the content this year. And, Jason, it's 
terrific to have someone to chat to. So, you know, go us, go team. And um, and please, yes, do subscribe, rate and review the show. Uh, it helps other people find us and um, it makes us feel great. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to chatting soon.